What's up everyone and welcome to episode 105 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, speak to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Uh, hope everyone's well, hope everyone had a lovely week. Uh, I've actually had a bit of a quiet one compared to the last couple, which by no means I'm complaining about, but it feels a little bit odd not running around, going to numerous shows, taking photos and stuff for... So yeah, it just feels a bit weird being having a bit of downtown, downtime. There we go. I can't speak at the moment apparently, um, but going to be back at it this weekend. Got a busy weekend at the Washed Out Festival in Brighton on Saturday. Um, so yeah, going to be taking photos of bands there and also kind of pre-celebrating my thirtieth birthday because it's going to be the only chance I get to see some of my friends. So it's going to be sort of like a mini birthday celebration so if you're at the uh, washed out fest come say hi come say happy birthday even though it's technically not my birthday yet but yeah be nice to nice to see some of you guys um rather than doing a bit of news i want to touch upon a few releases that we came out this week because i feel like friday just gone there was a good good day for music so we had uh new albums from i love your lifestyle pup and martha um all could be competitive competitors yeah competitors for album of the year this year um that new pub record in particular it just just leaves off where they left carries on where they left off i can't talk i'm sorry carries on where they left off um i was skeptical because i really love the first two pup albums sorry i'm just gonna sort out something there we go um so yeah i was i didn't know where this was going to sit but they've come out and just smashed out of the park so yeah um as well as those three records a new record from uh power violence emo violence band fluoride um who i cannot wait to see and mr stars so off the back of hearing this new record as well has made me even more excited um and we've also had new music from knock loose the first music they've released since laugh tracks um and mistakes like fractures is just an absolute banger already so if this is what the rest of new music from those guys sounds like i'm fully on board so yeah just thought i'd quickly put those out there just in case any of you you people had not heard any of them yet go check them out as i say pup record fluoride record highly recommend them to in particular um as i can't seem to talk at the moment we'll get right onto the guest so you don't have to hear me babbling on anymore um, this week I am joined by my good friend Sam Ricketts who plays guitar in the band Earth Moves. Uh, caught up with Sam just before the band set at the Seek and, Droy- oh, see? Seek and Destroy all day in Brighton uh, two weeks ago now. Um, so yeah, had a little chat with Sam. Uh, we discussed him coming from a more classical background before sort of discovering uh, DIY punk and hardcore. Uh, how he was sort of thrust into two different worlds playing with uh, his old band Scrappler and Cloudboat um, and how Earthmove just kind of came along organically after sort of deciding to take a step back from music um, and pushing forward to where they are now so yeah please sit back enjoy my chat with Sam and I'll see you on the other side I don't have a script, yeah. I just go <laughs> go with it. Um, yeah. Joined outside of Green Door Store by Earth Moves guitarist Sam Ricketts. Sam, thank you very much for, 
for joining me. How is everything in, in your world, in your life? Uh, it's very good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Um, yeah, really excited to play Green Door Store again. Um, we did a really cool show with Underdark in Nottingham last yeah. night. So we've done a lot of traffic <laughs> yesterday and today. Um, yeah, keen for more of I'm, it. I'm looking forward to seeing Underdark. Like, I haven't had yeah. a chance to see them yet. So Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. They, they just um, just finished recording their first album. Oh, sick. Um, I didn't realise that. Yeah, sounding really good. I think the, the set is all new stuff. Oh, so. nice. That's, well, I haven't seen them anyway, so it's going to be new yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but in in general, sort of like, because you say doing a lot of travelling, how was the, the show in Nottingham? It was really good. It was at Stuck on a Name, which yeah. I'm guessing like you and many of the people the tiny listening know it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'd done a show at JT Saw, um, which was like literally just around the corner. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, I think rehearsals, and any show that like doesn't have a stage you can feel like you're going to fall off is always fine <laughs> yeah. by me. Um, there was a guy literally on his knees screaming along at one point. That's Didn't know any of the lyrics, but he was screaming along. I mean, that's, that's fine, yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't think we could have asked for more. That's it was really, cool. It was great. Cool. Well, how I like to, to always start these off is to ask my guests sort of how they got into alternative music and what their first exposure was. Sure. So what was your first exposure to sort of alternative music? So I think initially it would have been like MTV2 and Kerrang. Right. Like I think like many people you yeah, saw, yeah, I remember yeah. hearing like crawl the crawling video and the Chop <laughs> yeah. Suey video and you would sort of like you'd swap between Kerrang and, and MTV2. Yeah, I yeah, still yeah. remember like the numbers on the, <laughs> on the remote. Um, and so yeah, just got into like uh, new metal initially when I was, I guess maybe like 13, 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then had like a big, got into like Radiohead and just okay. into indie music. So kind of like drifted away from it a right. little bit. Um, and then like bought a bass when I was like 16 and like joined a band with like some people that lived on uh, the, the block I lived on at the right. time. And they were just playing like 30s Crazy Fist covers oh, okay. and Avenged Sevenfold covers. And I wasn't really listening to the music at the time but then yeah, like yeah. got kind of back into back it into, in a yeah, big yeah. way and then um sort of just went from there really so was there any like you say kind of listening uh, sorry like watching sort of mtv and crying and stuff but yeah, was there yeah. anyone that particularly kind of put you onto that or was it just a case that you kind of stumbled onto it and you're like oh this is yeah this is loud and abrasive I think, I think it was very much that um so i remember before that i was just into like you know, like, Emin like Eminem yeah, yeah, and yeah. Dr. Dre and it was like something that was just like really angry you know yeah. like music that made you feel like um, like you shouldn't be listening to it yeah, I always yeah, find yeah, that like yeah, really yeah. exciting uh, so I think the next step was like when you suddenly hear like oh, these guys are screaming and the like the subject matter is like really really dark but the music's also quite fun so yeah. um, I think the recent uh, Pitchfork re-reviewed Toxicity oh, and they? It, um, they gave it like a 9.6 or something oh, great. Okay. but it like really summed up like in quite an academic way what I think I felt about it that's then. pretty cool I'll have to yeah. check it's that definitely out. worth a read um, yeah I think I, I still remember get, getting uh, Toxicity for Christmas yeah, yeah. and then like you know like gets to like 9pm Christmas day and you kind of like sneak upstairs <laughs> and you don't want to spend time with family anymore. I remember putting the CD on and like immediately like sort of like turning it off like I've been caught doing something <laughs> wrong I was like this is like this is like terrifying um, and I think ever since then it always felt like a pursuit to find like what's the next like band that's either gonna like scare me and how heavy yeah, it yeah. is or like how um, what's the what the subject matter is or like how extreme it is and then you know you get to the point like us now where like nothing is like yeah, yeah nothing yeah, yeah. sounds heavy enough yeah, anymore yeah, like yeah. nothing is surprising but um, yeah so in terms of kind of getting to, to sort of where you are now in terms of like musical issues you mentioned kind of getting into Radiohead and drifting away and then doing that yeah, band yeah. but was there kind of 
I always thought it was a kind of like a specific band that sort of like grabbed you back in to so to say and you were like yeah. oh okay this is kind of my band and then mm. sort of everything sort of grew off from that I think um, so towards sixth form it was so I was playing in this band and kind of just being given like CD almost like homework from the other guys <laughs> who were in the band um, and I think it was just like all those Roadrunner bands right yeah, at yeah, the yeah. Time. so like Kill Switch Engage and Chimera and then like the likes of like God Forbid and all that kind of like yeah yeah um, sort of like anthemy metalcore yeah, like big yeah. big like clean chorus and then like yeah. it was also heavy so like trivium and, and stuff like that was kind of like um what i was most into at that point okay and then what i think what got me into like playing in bands like properly again was um like melodic hardcore right so like have heart and verse yeah, and, yeah. Um, like those kind of bands that was when i was like i actually like really want to play in bands yeah yeah um, so in terms of kind of you sort of touched upon it there but like obviously also sort of that first start in bands yeah like in terms of because obviously you play guitar now but was yeah. bass your first instrument um, or were you dabbling in guitar a little bit so i was always like musically trained i started playing oh, tr nice. trombone when i was about eight. Oh, sick so uh, yeah i've got like a like background in like classical music oh, and awesome. classical performance is that kind of like through choice or was it something i think it was just like, i was at a school where like lots of people were taking up musical instruments yeah i thought trombone would be hilarious <laughs> which it still is still is i haven't played in a while but so yeah, I, I never, um, I never like took playing bass too seriously. Right. Okay. Um, it was just like a kind of hobby when I was at school, and then when I, it was only when I was at uni, um, maybe like twenty twenty one, that I I started playing guitar. Yeah. Um, so I've probably only playing been playing guitar for like nine or ten years. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I think like having um, like a bit of classical training probably helped. Yeah, yeah. Um, so was it like? You say about trombone, but were yeah. you sort of like just sort of experimenting with like different things as well, or were you sort of? trombone is my instrument i think i think until until i was like 21 yeah it was like, okay so in my degree i, I went to goldsmiths in South yeah, London. yeah yeah um i studied classical music oh, sick. i was like sort of thinking about going into like playing in orchestras professionally no way. That's and it, it was only because um like grappler who i was playing at the time was like uh, doing quite a lot i was also playing in like um like an electronic kind of dance Oh, project no um, sort of like a mix of like indian and dance called cloud boat which we, we did like a lot no of touring shit, i did not know you were in cloud boat no way <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking rad but so yeah, um, it's always like a always a, a weird mix of stuff going on my friend yeah. at uni was like really into oh, no way. yeah yeah, yeah. so funny <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird thing to be doing at the same time i remember we um see i kind of like i said i was like thinking about going in and doing like some more like a masters to do yeah, classical yeah. playing and then uh, Tom, who was the vocalist in the band I played in when I was like a teenager, yeah. came back from uni, and we were like, we'd both got into sort of like um, electronic music and a lot of like early dubstep and things, and we were like, should we just start like mucking about and recording yeah. some stuff? Um, and we got like some quite good touring opportunities quite early. We did some shows with um, with James Blake and with Matt yeah, Kimby, yeah. and there was one tour where it was like three or four weeks in mainland Europe, and there was a day off where I flew back from supporting James Blake for for Grappler to support uh, Pianos Become the Teeth oh, in and, and then stayed up all night and like flew back and like joined the other tour That's and then it's great. It was like all pe like effects like, pedals in a rucksack. <laughs> so I didn't sleep for like forty eight hours. It was great. It's really good. So you mentioned obviously kind of the, the first bands you were doing they were like sort of showing thirty six crazy this sort, yeah, of, sort yeah, of things yeah. like that. Yeah. So was that kind of like your first quote-unquote band but like obviously you're saying like doing classical stuff before yeah. were you doing anything with that or was that just kind of purely academic um so i would have like 
uh, after school like rehearsals almost yeah, every yeah. night. So there were like borough orchestras, right, okay. like brass bands. Like I was I was playing like quite a lot. But then Friday was like yeah like guitar band night. Yeah, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. We, we used to rehearse in my parents' garage which had like a paper thin door and was like 200 <laughs> meters from a Weatherspoons. Oh, sorry. So we used to do like six to 9 p.m. every Friday night. It used to, honestly, like it must have made people's week. Just like what <laughs> yeah. the fuck is going on in there? <laughs> so good. Just imagine all the people signing off work for the weekend. Yeah, like, what yeah, the yeah, fuck? yeah. And we did like, it felt like we, considering we were young and terrible, um, we did like some pretty interesting stuff. So we did like one of those all dayers at the dome, oh, you know, right. the live yeah, yeah, and unsigned yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Where we ended up like somehow like sharing a dressing room with the berserker, <laughs> <laughs> watching them like oil their masks up. Oh mate, and we, um, we like I think we played a show at the Underworld, which was Devil Sold His Soul's first headline. Oh okay, that's um, pretty cool. But yeah, we How old were you the stage? would have been like sixteen. Say that's fucking nuts. But yeah, but like so embarrassing from the back of the music <laughs> was, was like really bad luckily I was so happy to see MySpace like lost all their <laughs> lost all their files it's finally like gone forever it's gone forever but yeah, yeah. Um, well I guess like before we get into sort of like how we met like yeah. the yeah. other question I sort of like to ask is like growing up because have you always lived in, in London? Uh, yeah in North yeah. London yeah. so I always found like when I was younger I always thought oh, London's got it so lucky because they've yeah, got all these yeah. like rare bands coming through and stuff. So, were you sort of like going to to shows when you were younger and like being exposed to that sort of stuff, or did that yeah. kind of come along a little bit later? Um, I'd say in terms of like the underground scene, it definitely definitely yeah. came along later. There was always like like weird local shows, like local right. band nights. So, I was playing in a band doing like weird gigs in like local pubs and like you know church halls and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before I was. Um, sort of going regularly to shows uh, in Central. I remember going to the Astoria a lot. Yeah. Um, Astoria and Mean Fiddler. I remember there was like some of that, and you think of some of the lineups back then, like, I remember seeing yeah, yeah, like yeah. Lamb of God supported by like, I think, like Throwdown and As I Lay Dying yeah. in like Astoria 2. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, uh, yeah. It was eye opening at that point. Like I said, I'd just been listening to like Muse and Radiohead for like two, three <laughs> years. It's like, what's going on here? That's the thing. So like, I've, I've got an older brother and he was like, when I was sort of getting into like heavier music, mm. like he was at the age where he was yeah. allowed to go off to London on his own. Okay. So like, yeah. he'd go see like Nile at the Underworld yeah, and like yeah, fucking yeah. Dillinger at Astoria yeah. and stuff like that. And obviously, I was too young at the time. Yeah, so like, yeah. Oh, sorry, <laughs> like really grumpy, but like yeah. in hindsight, like looking back at like the bands that played all these yeah. like now non-existent venues, yeah, it's yeah. nuts. Yeah. So that's why I was always sort of like, oh, I wish I was in London. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we we used to like go to the Underworld a lot. Um, I remember like the Gojira's first London show oh, Underworld like, yeah, yeah. was just like incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, yeah. One that sticks in my mind. And then in terms of kind of like you mentioned obviously which I didn't realise but Cloudboat but obviously yeah. like we met through you being in Grappler. So were yeah, they yeah. two kind of did one come before the other? Were they kind of running simultaneously? Um, yeah, Grappler came before. Um, Grappler started in maybe it would have been like 2009. Yeah. Um, we didn't really, we weren't really properly active until maybe 2010, 2011. Yeah, which yeah. probably when we did like, like an EP with Lewis Johns. Yeah. And then we met, I think. Yeah, like, yeah. You were the first promoter to put us on outside London. <laughs> That's um, pretty cool. And uh, yeah, and then Cloudboat kind of started like, yeah, 2010, 2011. Yeah, So yeah. they were for a long time running like yeah, side yeah. by side. So in terms of kind of, we'll go, I guess we'll go off with Grappler then. So mm. how did... Because you, you mentioned sort of kind of going away from mm. the more heavier music and stuff. So, yeah. but then obviously finding like melodic hardcore again, yeah, and yeah. that was kind yeah. of very much, especially in the early days, that was yeah. the grappler kind of sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we wanted to sound like Ruiner. We wanted to sound like yes, yeah. Verse. yeah. Um, 
so super, super derivative <laughs> initially yeah so how did that kind of band come about because obviously like i obviously all met you as a collective mm. but now know you all separately yeah 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 um but how did you guys all meet and sort of the band um, come to be so uh danny who was the other guitarist yeah. he played in um he played in another local band that right. my like uh like teenage band had played gigs with so we'd, okay. we'd, we'd, we'd like remain like really good friends their band was amazing they had like uh, a dj and like a synth player and <laughs> just like like wear masks and stuff it was great it was like like palmer's green slipknot brilliant um, and then john who was a vocalist and grappler was uh, someone i'd known since like primary school oh, okay we were all from like a similar area yeah, in North yeah, London. Yeah. um and so he was like um looking to get something together i'd like barely played guitar at this point i didn't own a guitar oh okay um, and um so yeah we were like we just i remember like the first practice we had it was like m- like height of summer in john's parents living room right all of us just like dripping all over the carpet um yeah, it took ages to get anything together. We did put uh, like an EP out, which is now you can't find traces of it anywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. got program drums. Oh, uh, okay. It's like really like our attempts at like super earnest, inspirational, yeah, yeah, melodic yeah. hardcore. Um, but yeah, like it soon, uh, like a few other friends joined. Um, we found a uh, drummer who's Denis on Gumtree. Yeah. Uh, which is always, <laughs> which a, always I, a good story. Which I find <laughs> fucking hilarious. Yeah. When you guys told me that, I was like, eh? Yeah, yeah, so that was, um, yeah, it took a long it took a long time to get things up and running, but um, yeah. yeah, I guess like the combination of that was the the two records that we we did put out. Yeah, mm. and then like in terms of kind of, I I guess because I kind of want to touch upon the gum tree story. Just yeah, it's it's, funny. it is good. <laughs> like, I got laughed at for that idea so much. So right, so talk me through it because like you mentioned, obviously the first EP having program yeah, drums. So yeah, yeah, I'm guessing it was a case of oh, we want to do this live. We need to find yeah, a drummer. Yeah, yeah. Was it just a case that you couldn't find somebody and this was like last ditch? How did yeah, it come about? Yeah, I think about? so. Um, we'd like practice with a few different people um, and it just felt like something easy to do. Yeah. Like, it was like, oh, let's just use, I was like buying a lot of like effects pedals and things on Gumtree. Um, so yeah, why don't we just like stick something up? <laughs> and it's amazing, you like get like quite a lot of response. We yeah, definitely yeah, had yeah. like five or six emails. Okay. Um, and then Denny ended up coming to see us at, uh, we played one of the Ruction nights. At oh, Bar. okay, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Absolute lead balloon. <laughs> <laughs> we played with a fill-in drummer there and he came down and we like hung out and had some drinks and we did a practice and he'd just like learn all the songs oh, that's from cool. that first EP. Fucking and hell. It just made sense straight away. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because was he living in London at that point? He was, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Originally from Grenoble, yeah, which yeah, is where yeah. he's moved back there now. Um, but yeah, he played in a band called Feverish, who like okay. very like refused influence. Oh, like, okay. Um, into a lot of like noise rock yeah so, yeah um it definitely like softened how much we just wanted to sound like uh, <laughs> we just wanted to be on bridge nine yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 and then sort of i guess that first like meeting was it was there kind of any like i don't know because like when, when i talked to jamila i didn't realize like how she met the ethical guys was yeah, kind of a yeah. similar sort of thing so I guess like when you've got like school friends or like friends of friends, it's a bit different because you've got mm. a reference point. Yeah. So was it a bit strange just like meeting this random French dude? It was. Yeah, yeah. it was. <laughs> I, and it, it must have been even weirder for him because, um, so we, yeah, we met at like a, like a practice room in Holloway Road. Yeah. The rest of us are all like fairly good friends at this point. So Tom was on bass, obviously yeah. John and vocals, and then me and Danny. And then he came in and uh, hadn't been in the UK for a huge amount of time. Right. So. Um, like his English got so much better yeah. through uh, like playing <laughs> yeah. in the band, but I remember like early, early on, especially like and we would be like all our in jokes and just like talking shit and like fair play to him because yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have had a clue what we were saying. Um, but yeah, it, it, I remember as soon as we started playing the songs, like it clicked really quickly. Yeah. 
um, yeah, it was good, and and like and it did open us up to more influences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, like had a big part in shaping like the the record that we yeah. we then put out. So, in terms of kind of like going on the road and sort of touring, obviously you said that mm. I was the first person to put on you guys outside of London. Yeah, yeah. But like for you personally, like sort of touring and on the road, did that happen? First with Grappler or Cloudboat? Uh, that was more with more with Cloudboat. Right. I think because there was just two of us. Yeah. We had quite um, it was like a relatively like easy setup. Um, it wasn't like we didn't have live drums. It was a lot of like samplers and things. Yeah, yeah. And it was easy for two of us to like jump in a van with other bands. Um, we had some like cool opportunities straight away. Yeah. It was like yeah, come and do a month. Come and do like yeah. five weeks in mainland Europe. Um, and we could fly out for gigs as well. Yeah, yeah. So we were we were getting booked for sort of like. We'd do like two shows in Switzerland, just fly out, do a weekend, okay. and come back. Um, whereas, you know, chord as as you well know, like yeah, coordinating yeah, yeah. like a five-piece band where everyone has different levels of work commitments, um, like routing stuff effectively, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like tricky at the best of times. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it definitely took a lot, a lot longer to get going. Yeah, um, where Grappler was concerned. So, in terms of that, then, like, obviously, it's a very different world. But what was mm. that like? Your first experience, like, going out on the road, like, was it because? I don't know, like for me, when I, like the very first tour I went on, I kind of had a bit of pre- preconception mm. of like what things were going to be like. Yeah. But did you kind of have any like thoughts of like, oh, not necessarily, oh, I'm a rock star, I'm yeah, going out on the yeah. road, but like yeah. of how like things would be, did they kind of meet those expectations, was it completely yeah. different? I think we, we were quite lucky in the, the shows that we did get to do, mm. so um, yeah, we were out with the likes of James Blake and Mount Kimby playing yeah. like venues we re- pretty much had no right to, to being in. Like, <laughs> yeah. we, we, like our first Berlin show was at Bergheim. Oh fuck! We're so probably like one of like very few people to ever play a guitar yeah, yeah. in, in Bergheim. Um, so we got like and we and they've been friends for a while, so it, it did feel like we were just out with our mates, yeah, but yeah. being looked after like really well by promoters. Like catering was always like very good. Yeah, um, yeah. We did have to cover our own accommodation, but I remember like we just get one that was cheap and near wherever they were staying yeah, yeah. Um, so we definitely like it wasn't in a, it was in at the deep end in terms of like big scary shows yeah yeah um, but in terms of like the the stuff that suffers when you're doing it more more DIY when you're like out on your own um, it was relatively smooth yeah it was then when we came to do grappler tours and I was like oh shit yeah, now, <laughs> now we have to literally do everything yeah. there isn't a tour manager like buying the tickets you have to yeah, put on your yeah, windscreen yeah. to drive in Austria <laughs> it's like, yeah. you learn everything the hard way and then, in terms of kind of like, I guess the two different worlds, like, again, we've like, the way that we met was obviously through like the punk world. Yeah, yeah. But that world is very different, and as you say, like going out and playing venues that are quite big in yeah, comparison. Yeah, yeah. Like, was it a bit of a like not necessarily culture shock, but was it strange for you then to to come back into the sort of DIY world sphere? Right. Of I always really liked it. Okay. Um, I never. I never like they never felt like part of the same thing to me right um which i mean they obviously are but there was always something amazing about um like yeah we'd, we'd play like puckle pop at, to like three thousand people yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In, a, in a tent at like 2 p.m and then come back and would play like a floor show in the rehearsal <laughs> space and because yeah. and be- i think because the music was so different like cloudboat was very quite sort of careful and very yeah. sparse and very like um like really really earnest and then like the grab stuff is like super loud like some yeah, of it yeah, just yeah. like um just like balls out riffs yeah, really yeah, yeah. so um yeah i always felt like i was getting the best of both worlds okay um i never felt like that they were 
against each other. I yeah, never yeah. felt like I preferred one. I was yeah. just happy to be doing both. And like everyone involved was like a really close friend. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was good. And then in terms of, because obviously I can only speak from looking at the sort of alternative side, yeah. side of your life. Yeah, yeah. But like when sort of Gruffler came to an end, yeah. like I always thought that that band was completely underappreciated. I okay. think... Quite a few people have said that. Yeah, <laughs> so, but I think because yeah. like musically leaning, like mm. it's what I go for in hardcore. Yeah, like yeah. you said, like wanting to essentially kind of be like Ruiner, that is very much yeah, my yeah, lane yeah, when yeah. it comes to hardcore yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people in the UK at that point in mm. time weren't necessarily into that sort of thing whereas I yeah. think if you were to maybe have come about now like yeah, I'm not yeah. saying oh yeah you'd be massive yeah, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. the landscape would have been different sort of thing yeah. so do you kind of I don't know like from the inside point of view mm. do you feel like there was more to grappler or did it kind of come to its conclusion naturally I think it, I think it was a fairly natural conclusion um, I think if I the the what would have helped at the time if the only thing I can really look back and say is like if we'd been able to tour more yeah because really like you look at the bands who were in similar circles like some of whom are still going like Svalbard playing yeah, tonight yeah. just like just have to just play all yeah, the time yeah. you just have to like keep going back and keep hitting it hard and sadly like not all bands are in that position yeah um, of course and you, you all, all too often see bands who yeah they'll put out like one two three like really good records and just when it seems like the public hype is building yeah like the the band are spent yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the exciting bit is when you get your final mixes back and you're you're in the car and you're listening to it yeah. but then like the graft of like what it actually takes to execute the yeah, next yeah, bit yeah. like absolutely fair play to like anyone who is out there playing like 150 200 shows yeah, a year because yeah, yeah, it like yeah. is what it takes oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah and you have to sacrifice like so much quality of life <laughs> to be able to do it as well yeah. um that's like yeah. i think like you kind of touched on like that kind of graft sort of thing like there was a band that so I went to Dreadfest last week. Oh, nice! Yeah, and yeah. There was a band that played that like French power violence band, yeah. Harm Done. Like yeah. I'd listened to them before, like the festival and stuff. Yeah. But they set up their merch next to Sarba, yeah, so I yeah. ended up talking to them. Yeah. And I was sort of like, "Are you repressing your record?" Because like, I, I'm, I'm a record collector. Yeah, I'm not a tape yeah. collector. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh no, no, we're splitting up after this." I was like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, I was like, oh, well, that's a bummer. But yeah, but yeah, like I, as, as I said, like, I think just because it was very much my lane in, in yeah, sort of music, yeah. when you guys kind yeah. of did say you were calling it a day, I yeah, was a little yeah. bit like, oh, like I feel like this has got more legs. But yeah, I yeah, don't know, maybe yeah. that was just my. Perspective. I think that, and there, there were like other commitment things at play, like um, for five people to stay um, with the same lifestyle and the same yeah, level yeah. of enthusiasm for like three four five years plus is like is really rare and yeah yeah and with many bands like you can see people just like sometimes like the band is the key thing so like if, yeah, if, a ba yeah. if the bassist is like got a job in another country you swap the bassist out and, yeah, like, you yeah. can get to a point sometimes where like there's one or two core members left but for us it always felt like it, it if it wasn't the five of us it yeah it was in some way compromised like either creatively or or just yeah. how it felt to stay in so at the, at the time it, it felt like the right thing yeah. to rather than like limp, limp on <laughs> I guess <laughs> yeah. to sound brutal it, like, it, the best thing to do was to say like let's let's stop let's do yeah, like yeah. a cool final show which felt like a, like a real celebration um, yeah yeah and then in terms of sort of cloud boat on the sort of flip side of things, yeah. obviously I don't yeah. necessarily know yeah. sort of the circumstances of that sort sure. of world of things yeah. you said you had like cool opportunities and stuff and I think 
a lot of people maybe in that world who see that perspective mm. will kind of think oh well let's cling on to this for all it's mm. worth yeah 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 especially like where you look at where some of those acts that you're playing with mm -hmm. are now yeah yeah again was it just circumstantial or mm. was it just a case of like oh we're not necessarily feeling this anymore yeah, like yeah. How, how did that sort of all come um it was interesting um in the the way the band was run was all like completely different to yeah. like the kind of DIY band that we've been chatting about. Like we had so we had a manager in the UK. We had like separate booking agents yeah. for like mainland Europe, um, for UK as well. So there was lots of like people at play. Like we we, right. were, we were in a four album deal, which was like oh, okay. financially like they looked after us like yeah, very yeah. well. Um, but it, it got to the point after we so we put out two albums with like full scale campaigns with yeah. like radio pluggers and yeah, yeah, full, yeah. full like industry I was like I'm, yeah, I'm, this is the record industry um, and that did give us like some amazing opportunities like some of the venues and places we, we played a, a show in Carthage Cathedral in Tunisia oh sick and like we did South by Southwest yeah, at the end yeah. of like a sort of like five six week tour so it was like it was like properly amazing yeah. but we we got to the point after the second album where um, we neither of us were living at home with our parents anymore yeah it, it felt like it was like a very intense like four or five years where we we put everything into it but we were both like uh having to work more yeah like part-time things to fit around it um tom was in the process of relocating to berlin right um our manager was about to start a law degree oh, and it, it kind of again just felt like it naturally we could feel it was coming like down yeah, like we, yeah. we've we felt like we'd we were fighting more and more to get traction um, and yeah, the the label weren't being too particularly responsive. We'd written like twenty five new songs, right. which we were like super super happy with. Um, but yeah, they weren't being too responsive on it, and we just both reached a point where we were like, look, we've been like really close friends for long enough. Yeah, that, like, yeah. Let's rather than do it badly, let's not do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we both felt like really relieved. And what was quite nice is that the way we started as a band sort of just came from nowhere and yeah, yeah. sort of snuck into all these like <laughs> cool, cool situations. We just sort of snuck out again. Yeah. No, no post, no final show, no like yeah. hiatus. See, you, see cool. you again. It just kind of like just stopped. Yeah, I guess um, at least like that way you're kind of doing it on your terms as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. And yeah. like, just because obviously I'm never gonna be in that position. Like, yeah. To be kind of, as you say, like in the music yeah. industry, in yeah. that yeah. sort of beast sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, obviously, everything that I do is very DIY. Yeah. Like, yeah. this fucking podcast, I do everything yeah, myself. Yeah. Like, it's just I, everything I've done is self taught, sure. self learned. Sure. So, like, and obviously, you're involved in the, that sort of world as well, but having yeah. sort of, as you say, kind of snuck into yeah, 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 the yeah. mainstream. So, yeah. was it sort of surreal to kind of see, like, oh, this is how, like, the big boys do it, sort of thing? A little. I, th I think what I what I learned is that you, the sacrifices are quite different. So right. when you're when you're, like when you're in a like a DIY band, um, especially at the kind of level like um, like I was in in, in Grappler and I'm in now with Earth Moves. It's like if you're not enjoying it, like just don't like you don't have to bother yeah, with yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, like you're not a business. You're not. Um, <laughs> you don't. You don't owe anyone any money. Um, you don't even have to like uh, creatively compromise on anything yeah. whereas when you are in a like a, a fairly high value record deal or you have a booking agent or you have a manager um, there are pressures that you otherwise wouldn't wouldn't be subject to yeah yeah um, so yeah whether that's like yeah we need like three singles on this album yeah um, and that stuff ne never affected us too much just because we were both so like 
stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like we'd been friends for like ten years. Yeah, so I think yeah. we were quite probably quite formidable to try and talk down from anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, we always just felt like metalheads at playing at in like. Well, we played a show at Warehouse Project. Oh, sick. Um, and we were like, what are we doing here? And then we just played, we just opened with the Seasons in the Abyss riff. Brilliant. <laughs> so like all the like smoke machines or like yeah, strobe yeah, lights, yeah, yeah, just yeah. playing Slayer. That's incredible. <laughs> um, so we always felt like, not imposters, but like, there was always like a playful element to yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that was good. So then obviously, we'll get on to where you are now. Earth Moves, how long has it been going now? Quite a long time now. Um, so after after Grappler and, and then Cloudboat kind of came to came to their conclusions, I I kind of did feel like I probably wasn't going to play in anything for a while. Yeah. And I would I would go to shows and see like you know see an eight band bill at the Unicorn where there's yeah, like yeah. forty thousand pounds worth of equipment strewn across the floor, and I was like I I, I really don't um, I really don't miss this. Yeah, I yeah. love the shows. I love the music. Like that'll never change. But I didn't I didn't really find anything that like grabbed me without wanting to go and do yeah, it again yeah. and it was only through just like playing guitar unplugged at home again I was like oh this kind of feels like there's like something in there maybe I'd like to like get some people together record something just put it online like not, not play yeah, any gigs yeah, yeah. I'm not playing any gigs um, and then it was I'd met uh, Gary from We Never Learn to Live um, through lots of shows Grappler did with them yeah. and one of the final Grappler tours which was with Good Time Boys Gary filled in for some shows with Vinny oh, okay. and I remember like we were just chatting it was like we had a lot of fun playing together like both really liked like kind of each other's styles like, we should like do something at some point so I remember like getting in touch with Gary and saying like um, would you be up for I yeah. think I've got like the bones of like three or four tracks maybe like just get anything together yeah. put something out online and I remember driving down to like Brighton Electric for a three hour rehearsal Right. Um, he was an hour and a half late <laughs> <laughs> so, so we had like 90 minutes but like we finished those 90 minutes with like three finished songs oh sick all of which are kind of as they were then on the first album oh which, sick which then came out on True Seeker yeah um, so yeah and then Gary was like Mark would be up for this and then he's like, yeah, we should definitely do some gigs. It's like, what, like, really? Like, you want to <laughs> yeah. like, do some gigs with me? And then um, we had the, f the album was fully finished before we had a vocalist. Right. So, like, fair play to Jordan, who kind of had to step in and was like, these songs are done. I just yeah, need yeah. to, like, like, kind of almost karaoke on top, like, with, um, like, bring some lyrics in. And um, yeah, so it all came together initially quickly. Yeah. Um, and we were able to sort of go out and play, play shows, like, quite early. I think the first show we did was... Um, one that Stell's put on at like a burrito bar in, oh, in Portsmouth, yeah, 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 uh, I think yeah. like Eulogy and Human Future playing. Yeah. We were on first at like 5 pm yeah. or something on a Sunday. <laughs> um, Sounds about right for a Stell show. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, started working with uh, Alex at Tree Seeker, yeah. put the first record out, and yeah, here we are. So, like, because obviously, is it three members from You Never Learned to Live or two? It's two, yeah. Two, Drum, right. uh, Mark, Mark on bass, Gary on drums. Yeah. So, in terms of kind of like, the work like the split between them like because obviously now it's a little bit different because obviously they've got their new record coming out yeah, and stuff yeah but like has there ever been like times where they've had to be like right we're doing we never learn to live stuff yeah yeah like so we can't do earth move stuff yeah. or has it kind of fit quite quite nicely between um, the two? on on the whole it's fit really well um there, there was always going to be crossover because of where we've all come from yeah um and who we all know we, there was some, we did some shows early on where um, the guys did like double sets. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Did, didn't, I don't think it worked particularly well. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, it's something we're actively avoiding yeah, um, yeah. moving forward. Uh, yeah, I'd like, 
I guess just because how how busy both bands have been at different times, it's kind of like fitting relatively yeah, well. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, they're going to have a really busy year with the the new record. So um, yeah, we, we will make. I mean, we'll make things work. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of kind of like stylistically, obviously, again, we met through doing Grappler. That yeah, was yeah. more sort of straight up sort of hardcore, yeah, melodic yeah, hardcore. Yeah. Whereas this is kind of, I always find it hard to kind of pin down what earth moves is yeah which so, isn't a bad, so do we yeah, which yeah, isn't yeah. A bad thing at all <laughs> yeah but like obviously for you like as a guitarist writing the wrist mm. and stuff like yeah was it a nice kind of transition to sort of go away mm. for, from that being able mm. to do stuff that's a bit more soundscapey and yeah. sort of a bit yeah. more experimental yeah. was that something that you had actively looked to do or is it just as the band progressed that's mm. kind of how your natural writing yeah. style went i think it was i think it was quite natural uh, a lot of the the kind of guitar parts I was writing in Cloudboat were quite like quite ambient, yeah. quite ethereal, and lots of like too many effects pedals for, <laughs> for my own good. Um, trying to mask the fact I can't actually play guitar. <laughs> so I think that I mean like the influences initially were like that we released like one early demo track, yeah. which I listened back and I'm like that's just a Death Heaven, like, <laughs> like so like it's just a Death Heaven ripoff, and like un- unashamedly so at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like pulling together lots of things, like like into lots of fugues, you know, like yeah. slow dive and like my bloody Valentine. But then also somehow trying to work in like bits of you know like Paul Bearer and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yob and like sort of more like metal stuff. Yeah, um, it's always quite fun to play a show because people are always there's normally a feeling of surprise afterwards. Yeah, it, yeah. It, the music obviously shifts from being like really heavy and like riffy at points to then like quite serene and I yeah. think it's, it's always interesting to see like if you've brought the audience yeah well, like if they've come with us like yeah, yeah. it could just kind of suddenly cut to like the quietest guitar part and if people are talking you're like no not tonight <laughs> 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 well it's like when like the last time I saw you guys yeah. that country the show, Bournemouth show. Yeah, yeah. and I think that was very much a like because without this sounding horrible you were kind of like the sore thumb we realised that so quickly but, as well. <laughs> but like it wasn't like a bad sore thumb because it was mm. like it was very metal audience yeah, yeah. and they were sort of like oh oh yeah, sort of like yeah, yeah. when they were like kind of watching you guys yeah like, there's like just enough metal to like <laughs> give us enough credibility <laughs> yeah. to get on the lineup and then it's like let's test people a bit but is that yeah. like I don't wouldn't say the challenge but is that something that like excites you guys as a band that like okay you can play shows where it is specifically catered to maybe like the more sort of like screamo mm, like mm. neo crust sort of yeah, side yeah. of things which i think you guys fit in a bit more naturally yeah, yeah, but so. then you can play something like tonight where it's kind of a range of like black metal yeah, and yeah. crust yeah is are those the shows that you prefer because you maybe it challenges you a bit more or yeah i think like playing mixed bills has always been like yeah. really exciting um, like the last night of the show in Nottingham, there's a band who they sounded like Sonic Youth. They were oh, like okay. with like a bit of a kind of gothic vibe. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Tellus Effluentia played, who oh, they just like. Is, sorry, completely tangent. Is Mikey their drummer now, or has he left? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, just like Armand Rath from the UK. Yeah, Great. yeah, yeah. And then Underduck played, and then we went on last, and it's like. Bit of, it's kind of a bit of respite, but then yeah, it's obviously yeah. like it goes through a few twists and turns. Um, see, I've al- always liked a bit of a challenge. I've yeah. always like as long as people feel like something about the set. Like I'd rather, I'd rather someone was like, I fucking hated that, than we're like, yeah, it's alright. 
Like, you know, you like you leave a show, you know, you see bands sometimes, you're like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I watched you. it all, it's fine. Yeah. I'd rather be like, I have to leave the room. This is, <laughs> this is like, this is destroying me. Or like, that, 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 that was, was fucking that was incredible. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. um, before I sort of wrap things up, like, in terms of kind of where Earth Moves is moving forward, yeah. so to say, like, what's kind of the next plans? Because obviously, Record Out, was it last year? Uh, year before. Yeah. yeah. So, are there plans for. The new yeah, the new album is finished. Nice. Uh, we recorded with Joe uh, from Pine again. Oh, sick! Yeah, um, yeah. Like best guy to record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like really easy going, very funny. Um, so yeah, we're like uh, final mixes are in process. Uh, hopefully, get it out some point this year. Yeah. Uh, so li- a little uh, more varied. I mean, it's standard second album <laughs> track, <laughs> yeah. it, but it is a, like you've heard some of the newer tracks where it is a little more varied than yeah. the first record. Um, probably less. Um, Less leaning on just like long blast parts. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some tracks that are as short as like three, or f- three or four minutes. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, get some nice radio play yeah. this time around. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, hope to get that out at some point. Play more, more shows yeah. here and there. Um, like I say, it's just if it's fun and we can all make the date, yeah, then we yeah, will yeah. do it. Uh, we've got a cool show with Bostonage on Tuesday. Classic. Um, Black Heart in London, which would be good. Going to head over and do some mainland shows of Rope in summer. I swear they're just. Yeah constantly in Europe yeah. at the moment. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean there, there, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So yeah, just more, more more, of the same, really. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But excited to get the record out, I think. It's taken a while to get the, the second album is, I mean, they say difficult second album, yeah, and yeah. It, it can be difficult in different ways, but it's usually because you're spent after, the first one's <laughs> taken you like, the first one's taken you like three or four years, and all the other years lead, yeah, leading yeah, to that yeah, point, yeah. and then you have to you start again and get it out within like one to two years, and Unless you get to the point where you are a well-oiled machine and you've got like the next three things yeah, lined yeah. up, um, which yeah, when people have jobs and things, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's not so easy. It's not so. easy, no. Cool. Um, how I like to to end things is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So, what is your favourite Earth Move song that you like to play live, and why? Okay. Um, so, Piamata, which is always the last song in the set, yeah. I think is probably the kind of song that's always going to be our favourite to play. Yeah. I mean, it's like over 10 minutes long, so it feels quite greedy <laughs> to pick it. But um, yeah, you sometimes have like you sometimes have that song where you're like, we can't, like, it doesn't feel right playing anything else last. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've seen us recently, and it's like, it's like the ultimate challenge for an audience that empire. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, how quiet can we play this? Will they remain? <laughs> will they stay with us? Like, yeah, how yeah. how like unnerved can we make people? And there's there's definitely been points where people have like joined in with that that vocal oh, that's that comes cool. in like the guy last night was just like doing some odd growling and it's like <laughs> it, and another time there was a, a woman who was just like very drunk in the pub just yeah, kind yeah. of belting along so it, nice. it, it, it's like it's properly on a knife edge sometimes it can be sometimes it can like um be a bit intrusive sometimes yeah, yeah. it like it gets elevated and when people join in with that part it's like, yeah it's pretty amazing cool perfect sam thank yeah. you very much thanks very much So there we have it, folks. Thanks again to Sam for taking some time ahead of Earth Moves set to have a little chat with me. Uh, as always, you can keep up to date with everything that Earth Moves are doing by checking out all their various social media platforms, which will be linked in the description of this episode. Um, Going to keep this short and sweet because I haven't got a whole lot more to say to you. So, other than thank you again for joining me on the Justin Insight podcast, and I'll see you soon. Yeah.